You are listening to All the Fucks, a currently daily podcast where I, Jen Ponton, tell my friend, Lillian Bustle, a story about random batshit pop culture that she has never heard before. Scintillating <laughs> content. <laughs> um, I'm so excited. I'm so oh, excited. God. I have seen a sneak preview of of what you're going to talk about today, and my jaw hit the damn floor. Yes! Yes! I'm very, very excited. You should be. May 19th, 1990! (laughs) Dead on impression. Lillian, did you know there was a crisis in Rhymeland? I did not. Well, there is, and I'm going to tell it to you. A (laughs) Disney Channel premiere is about to take place. Mother Goose Rockin' Rhyme. Later called Shelley Duvall's Mother Goose Rockin' Rhyme. Which is interesting because she was not a producer on it. However, she is credited as the casting director. Oh, excuse me. Uh-huh. Um, I, I would also like to point out that when one thinks of quality children's programming, of course one thinks of Shelley Duvall. Absolutely. Uh, this was like, okay, so Shelley Duvall took a hard left in the early 90s or late 80s, and all of a sudden she decided she was going to do a fuck ton of children's programming, most of which was available on Disney. So she did like fairy tale theater might have I've heard of that one that I have heard of was super cute which Um, to me felt like enough of a weird uh Shelley Duvall anomaly I didn't realize that that, like she like rode this roller coaster and was like here I am which I'm uh I'm your early Steve from Blue's Clues honestly (laughs) I think that I almost knew her more as that than I did as uh as Wendy in The Shining like oh yeah, that's all I ever think of when I think of Shelley Duvall is The Shining. Right, right, bingo. So, um, Shelley Duvall is is touted as the major attached talent, but this project is insane, and it's got name after name after name after name, and all of them, almost all of them are musicians. There are a couple who are like exclusively actors, but pretty much everybody is like. A Billboard Top 40 fucking uh, uh, rock star, basically. Huh. Okay. Uh, wait, was this a movie or a TV show? It is a movie. It's a television movie. Made for TV <laughs> movie from 1990. Hooray! Oh my god. So, Mother Goose Rock and Rhyme is a story about a man named Gordon. I don't know why he's so, I don't know why he is like in his mid-40s and still living with his mother, but Gordon Goose is the son of Mother Goose, played by Gene Stapleton. Yes! <laughs> is clad in magenta velvet lined with white marabou feathers everywhere. Oh, my God, this is genius. Yes. 
look at her with the little curls coming out of her turban. Right. Oh my God. Right. Exactly. Uh Oh my God. It's amazing. So Jean Stapleton is the joyous and jubilant mother goose and she lives in and essentially is the god of rhyme land. And what happens in rhyme land is she'll make up a rhyme and all of a sudden a character comes to life. And Gordon is tired of his mom's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) That does seem like an awesome, that's a lot of responsibility, right? That's a lot, it's a wield. It's a lot. And everybody in Rhymeland is just as weird, if not weirder, than Jean Stapleton in a satin magenta turban. So, (laughs) so Gordon in his like Levi 501s and his button-down white shirt and his old ball cap and basically who who acts like Larry fucking David. You could essentially have Larry David play this role and he would be an amazing Gordon Goose. Wonderful. <laughs> Gordon is nebbishy and cranky and has a very thick New York accent. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> And he's I cannot I cannot wait to see this movie. I can't wait to show it to you. I'm trying not to get too far ahead in this BuzzFeed. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, follow yeah, follow along with because I, I got I got good shit to introduce you. So Gordon is uh Gordon is the only normie among the rhymies. And he thinks everybody's an asshole. <laughs> And he hates living in Rhymeland, and he hates that the same song begins the moment he walks out the door, and that everybody's dancing, and everybody's losing their sheep, and everybody's doing this and losing that. Their, right. Losing their sheep. Exactly. <laughs> Gordon's He's like, had enough you of this get your bullshit. shit together. <laughs> That's basically exactly what he says for like a solid hour of this film. Oh my God, so good. <laughs> So, um, I need to speak a little bit about the de- the design of this film. It's what makes it so fucking memorable. The whole thing is shot like a Cars music video. Oh! oh. Everything is hypersaturated. They're in they're in a studio that is essentially if you took a mixing bowl and turned it upside down. Um <laughs> the, the ceiling and the sides are all flocked with blue fabric with giant swaths of of cotton balls on them. So you've got these big, <laughs> thick clouds that are like 3D. Everything is over the top. I want you to think the cars, Betsy Johnson, fucking early Madonna. That's all this is. There's a little bit of Howard the Duck thrown in. <laughs> And, wow. and, and like some fisheye lens uh, action happening. So like everything is very kinetic the way that it's shot because it's shot like a fucking music video. Why is that? Because it is directed by a man named Jeff Stein who was mostly a music video director for people like Tom Petty and George Clinton and um, and Hart and the Cars and yes. oh my God. Billy Idol. So he directed Rebel Yell. Oh, so good. Okay. Um, and he also directed and I believe was maybe even part of a band called Breakfast Club. Okay, I've heard of them. Yes. 
Breakfast Club came out, um, it was one of Madonna's early ventures before she became Madonna. Really? Uh-huh. Wow. Mm-hmm. So this is the guy who is in charge of this, um, of this, uh, of this project. And it's his eye and his sensibility that brings that brings it to such an 80s oversaturated what the fuck am I watching place. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it looks, it reminds me of Pee Wee's Playhouse a little bit. Exactly. Yes. That was the comparison I was missing. It's basically like they used the sets from Pee Wee's Playhouse and just added some characters who should probably be knocking on his door at any moment. <laughs> a thousand percent. Very, very, very Pee Wee's Playhouse. So um, you don't really. You'll know who every single person is except Gordon. Gordon is an actor who you cannot find anywhere. This is his only credit on IMDb Pro. However, a little extra sleuthing led me to learn that Dan Gilroy was the lead singer of Breakfast Club. So oh you- my god! <laughs> so, he was in fact a rock star with Madonna. <laughs> and that's our nebbishy, buttoned-up Gordon. Um, once he bursts out of the house and we see all these crazy peewee uh, sets and all these characters and all this kinetic motion with the camera and fisheye lenses, um, you start seeing people like the Del Rubio triplets. Friends, if you don't remember who the Del Rubio triplets are, you might remember those three blonde ladies who were always older. They were just always at least 60. And they all wore the exact same outfit and they all played guitars and sang together. Yes. I feel like they were on um, the Smothers Brothers or something. Ooh, probably. And they were also (laughs) Pee Wee's friends. So, oh shit. As kids, we got to see them a lot. Um, And I think it was all because of Paul Rubens. Wow. That's great. Good for them. Uh, yeah. So Gordon, are they triplets? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Gordon is uh, grumpily dragged through the all of Rhymeland singing the morning song, and the music is fucking good. The music is all written by a guy named Van Dyke Parks, who wrote uh, a ton, a ton of of music and um worked with pretty much everybody legendary he worked with brian wilson on smile for a very long time and he composed the soundtrack for sesame streets follow that bird which is another thing i might i'm i don't know if i I love no i know i know yeah of course you do yes so good and he wrote the soundtrack for the brave little toaster (laughs) very cute um, so the music is really fantastic and everybody takes Gordon through this, uh, this enormous dance and he's like, he's just grumpily going along and they're all dragging him and you start to meet the denizens of Rhymeland. So we run into the old woman who lives in a shoe who happens to be Blondie. <laughs> Debbie Harry! Debbie Harry! 
Oh my god. Uh-huh. And uh and and Gordon is on his way to do a very normal thing, which is to work at the Goose Down store. Um and once he gets there, a car that must simply be a jazzed up uh golf cart, but it's not uh, but it looks like it looks like a teeny weeny like 57 Chevy and it's bright bright pink and every bit of the design interior is in a cow pattern (laughs) (laughs) this was like this was my aesthetic man this was absolutely I was like if there can be too many colors Lisa Frank was too bright right but this like not primary colors but like lots of cerulean blue and like raspberry Mm -hmm. yeah this is my palette entirely Mm -hmm. Jesus a nice saturated yellow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this is where we meet Shelley Duvall as little Bo Peep (laughs) Shelley Duvall sadly (laughs) the Bechdel test really really does not hold up on this one because Bo Peep while she is the heroine of the story she's also like like (sighs) Gordon Gordon drives her car for her. When she's driving, she gets in accidents. And, like, it's just, it's a whole thing. But Bo Peep okay. um, smashes into his shop. And he's like, ah, what are you doing? <laughs> and she's panicking because she can't find her sheep. And she went to go check in with Mother Goose about where they could be. But she can't find Mother Goose. And Gordon's like, fuck, I left Mom at home. Where the fuck did she go? She'd never leave home. And thus Aww. begins... The episode of SVU that is to follow. <laughs> Mother Goose is nowhere to be found. And she oh, never no. leaves and she would never leave. And without her there, Rhymeland is going to start falling apart. Oh, no. And as we move through the quest to find Mother Goose, we meet other characters such as the Itsy Bitsy Spider played by Ben Vereen. <gasps> He was all up in that business. He was he was always doing guest star spots and things. Oh my god! And That's these were the days of Zubilee Zoo. Oh, I loved I loved Zubilee Zoo. Zubilee Zoo was the fucking business. Oh man, that's mm-hmm. so great. Mm-hmm. So Ben Vereen was all about anthropomorphic um, joy. And oh yeah, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Oh wait, no, I'm thinking. Nope. Uh, oh, he, he was, God, I'm terrible. Nope. I was thinking that he was a snake in, um, a little prince, but that was Fosse. Never mind. Oh, um, so, so Ben Vereen plays the itsy bitsy spider and essentially tells them that two big hands came to grab Mother Goose. Oh, he looks sexy. Uh, Wow. He looks great. He looks great. Oh my God. He's in like a... Skin tight body suit. Bingo. Bingo. With with uh, uh, cobwebs all over it. And of course, like a bright yellow hat turned sideways and mm-hmm. yellow sunglasses. Mm-hmm. He's got a nice beard coming in. Oh, he looks great. He looks great. Oh, and he's, su- of course, he's super, super, super physical. Um, uh-huh. And is, is pretty much like crouched and bouncing the entire time you see him. Yes. Um, <laughs> ben Vereen is a delight. <laughs> So they run into Ben Vereen as Itsy Bitsy Spider, but they can't get the whole story from him because the water keeps pouring him down the spout and then the sun comes out. And essentially, Itsy has real, real, real serious ADHD. So 
<laughs> so Gordon and Peep are like, well, fuck this. We got to figure out what what's going to happen next. And they're getting lost. And <laughs> we see one of the greatest visuals of the piece, which is running into three men in a tub. <laughs> there is a rolling motorized hot tub that has big chrome <laughs> pipes coming out the side and inside is ZZ Top <laughs> in ruffly shirts and velvet jackets and like oh. whatever the sort of uh, Spanish style hat is that has the tassels coming down from the brim. Yeah, I want to call it a mariachi hat. Yeah. With the with the little pom poms, that's right insane. So you oh see, my God, ZZ they look top. so happy to be in that tub too. I mean, that was their only job for this entire for this entire special. That was their only job. <laughs> they just got rolled on and then rolled off. <laughs> uh huh. They don't even say anything. Uh, what? Peep, Peep and Gordon are like, which way to so and so? And they just they do like a a wind their arm up and then uh, and then they zoom off. And then the you, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. what a waste! Yes, 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 yes. So, um, they continue to they continue to move along and meet a couple other characters. But the next major character that you meet, uh, they end up at a trailer park. So we then get to this airstream trailer where inside lays Mary had a little lamb. Who is played by Cindy Lauper. Mary <sighs> is fed up with her lamb's shit because her lamb has turned into a full grown cigar chomping sheep named Lou. Lou, Lou is played by Woody Harrelson. Oh! Oh, wow! Oh my god, look at him! Uh huh. Oh He's spectacular. And the two of them essentially have this, like, bickering couple energy, so you gotta wonder what was meant. But she does have a line at one point where she says, "Uh, I lost two wonderful husbands because he follows me everywhere, if you know what I mean. This is magnificent. <laughs> it's amazing. They then oh make their God. way uh, over to uh, Peter Piper's uh, pickled peppers. They make their way over to Peter Piper. To, <laughs> oh no! They make their way to Peter Piper and his patch of pickled peppers. Peter Piper is played by a dear friend of oh. us here at All the Fucks, our beloved Harry Anderson. Beep beep Richie. Beep beep, beep, beep Richie. This is this is synonym. This is synchronous with it. Oh yeah, same mm-hmm. time. Oh, mm-hmm. I would have done his makeup differently with her a hair a wig that bold. Yep, <laughs> I'm just saying. He's terrific, of course, of course. Oh, I um, love him. Wow, this is like there's. I feel like you don't get quite as much of this now. Like in the 80s and early 90s, there was like Circus of the Stars. I guess Dancing with the Stars is like that, but like. Like it star-studded uh, specials, you know what I mean? I mean, uh-huh. you even got more of the Muppet, the Muppet Show, and the Muppet movies were all like special guest stars, huh? I wonder why that mm-hmm. has dwindled. It's it's coming back right now because everyone's real accessible. Have you noticed that? Uh, right. Okay. All right, I got it. Okay. 
Okay, Uh so after meeting Peter Piper, uh, they make their way to the crooked man and his dog. Now, here is an exception that I will pull out because you will recognize virtually every single person in this special, but not these two individuals who play the crooked man and the dog and then later on um, a couple of, like, jesters. So... I did some research, and these two guys are Australian. They are from a stand-up comedy. Uh, they were a stand-up comedy duo in the late 80s called Los Trios Ringbarkus. But Australian. They're Australian. Okay. I <laughs> will read this directly from the wiki. Their crumpled suits and awkward stilted delivery style gave them a unique act their brand of comedy theater, a kind of cross between Samuel Beckett and Buster Keaton. Oh. <laughs> Described That's... their work as anti-tainment, <laughs> a kind of Dada-inspired disaster act. Wow. In which they played two stage-frightened clowns who couldn't greet the audience without making a mistake. Ooh, that is a bold choice. Their humor depended on making the audience laugh through making them uncomfortable and not oh. through generating confidence. <laughs> nice. And these wackos are who they decided to hire. Oh, Shelly Duvall was the casting director. Shelly Duvall was like... Maybe she was buddies with them, yeah. yeah right? She was like, you know what I like? <laughs> no. I What's have- a cross between the Three Stooges and Harold Pinter? Uh- <laughs> oh, and BuzzFeed says, The Crooked Man recalls Oliver Twist's Fagin in that he is basically a caricature from 1930s anti-Jewish propaganda in Germany. <laughs> that is very much what he looks like. It's very disturbing. It's more than a little disturbing. His giant oh. anthropomorphic <laughs> dog is troublesome for different reasons. <laughs> what are the different reasons? Right? <laughs> We, Don't leave me hanging, BuzzFeed article. <laughs> we are then led to a great hill um, on which we find Gary Shandling and Terry Gar, respectively playing Jack and Jill. <laughs> oh, weird. I have a vague memory of just this. Mm-hmm. What on earth? <laughs> Are they wearing hockey gear? I mean, basically, right? They they wear inverted colors. They wear this saturated blue and red, and it kind of swaps. But, but like they're, they're mittens. They look like they're wearing sports right, things. Right. They definitely are. That's absolutely sportswear. Weird. And also, they are not a very good couple. They spend the entire time bickering because Jack always tumbles down first, and why can't Jill tumble down on her own? And It's a whole thing um <laughs> uh, oh, gary shandling's so young gary shandling is very young this is probably in the larry sanders days at this point man mm. and they continue on and on and they find little miss muffet but her teeny tiny tuffet is uh is inaccessible so they realize they have to shrink they have to think small and so they shrink down and they're and then we have our first real sex joke of of the of the film in which Uh-oh. Gordon's pants definitely fall down and Peep is like um and then Gordon bashfully tries to pull them up over his body. 
Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> Little Miss Muffet is played by Pia Zadora. <laughs> she looks amazing, by the way. And she's oh in this, God, like, little gorgeous. cute bustier situation. And she's got, like, a widow's netting over her face. Yes. But, like, she, with little dots. Yeah, oh yeah, God, yeah. She's gorgeous. She looks amazing. Little mesh gloves. Super cute. And <laughs> what was and she serves I them. I was a slow month for her agent. <laughs> yeah, right? She serves them some curds and whey, which is essentially the gross rice pudding ice cream from Troll 2. <laughs> Ew! And they're eating these curds and whey. And then you start to realize that there are spider webs everywhere. And she's freaking out. She's like, is there a spider? I hate spiders. I hate spiders. And all of a sudden, in drops Itsy Bitsy Ben Vereen. And when, oh. ben, and when ben is Itsy Bitsy, he uses this voice. And no. No, 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 no. He didn't need to do that. He was, he was real sexy until that happened. That's not okay. And he drops. So he drops in. First of all, I need to say... There's an aesthetic in the 80s where virtually everything is black and white checkers. Oh, yes. Yeah, Beetlejuicy. Very Beetlejuicy. Very, very, very Beetlejuicy. And, uh, oh, Howie, Howie Mandel comes in later and absolutely <sighs> gives us some big Beetlejuice energy. I'll tell you who oh, has God. later. But um, Itsy drops in, and the second that he drops in, Little Miss Muffet's Tuffet kind of turns into this, like, 80s music video dance floor. And so he drops in, and everything is this black and white checkered sort of angled dance floor, and all of a sudden it starts lighting up from underneath, and... Muffet gets so freaked out that she falls backwards onto the bed, which apparently is a Murphy bed. It folds up into the wall, and Itsy starts break dancing. And as he does, the, the, what was the bed essentially becomes a shadow, uh, a shadow box situation. So it lights Pia Zadora up from behind, and she starts basically doing fly girl dancing in this. Folded up Murphy bed <laughs> while Itsy is breaking it down. Oh my god! And Gordon and Peep are like, uh, and then Itsy's like, <laughs> Itsy's like, she just plays hard to get. I'd better go make it up to her. <laughs> so that happened. <laughs> But they're like, hey, wait, before uh, you bone Pia Zadora, please tell us what you were trying to tell us earlier when you got distracted by a bug. And he's like, oh, right. Uh, yeah, two big hands came and took her away. And they were like, well, how do we figure out who they are? And Itsy's like, you just got to go find the king. Old King Cole, you know. Now, mm -hmm. in this Pee-wee, Betsy Johnson mashup magical world, I want you to think about what you or I would very happily wear on stage right motherfucking now. I just okay. want you picture it in your head. Mm -hmm. Keep it secret and to yourself. Okay. Because when we get to old King Cole's castle, not only is everything, everything, uh, this, this black and white checkered 
uh, sort of like labyrinth room, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, also, everybody in Old King Cole's castle has like, uh, has like, Flava Flav clocks around their necks. <laughs> and also is dressed like they are in Digital Underground. <laughs> Oh my god. Digital Underground is not credited. (laughs) And then the king comes in. The king is little Richard. Yes! In chunky black platform boots and a hot pink suit with tails and a curly baby pink giant Louis XIV wig and a tall, glittery, baby pink crown. <gasps> ah! <laughs> Who was the costume designer for this? I want to write them a letter. I, well, I have this up because I thought you might ask that. Do, 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 do. Costume design is by a woman named Patricia Field or uh, oh, Pat Field. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Okay, that makes a lot of sense. No, Patricia Field is a big deal. Yes. She's, Jesus. Oh, my God. That makes so much sense. Patricia Field. (laughs) Big ups. Which, who, um, weirdly enough, I actually have seen in person because I went with Lauren to see an episode of the new Murphy Brown. And for for some reason, Patricia Field was the costume designer for the new Murphy Brown reboot. Oh, that feels like (laughs) a waste of her particular skill set. Too, but I mean, go get it. But oh, oh, that's so great. So okay. Patricia Field, um, while I don't know a ton about her, um, she has been. Hang on one second. This she used seems to have to a big, have... beautiful store in New York that was super like draggy. Oh, maybe that's um, where she, she just really... has a gallery now. But it used to be a place that you could go and get crazy, crazy wigs. Um, oh, it was it closed in 2015? It says uh, interesting. It was because... great. It was down by it was down by CBGBs. Ooh, I mean, she may have just been a designer first because it looks like Mother Goose Rock and Rhyme was one of her first credits. Oh, it's her breakout movie. And then she started designing for shows like Spin City and Sex in the City and Hope and Faith. She designed for Devil Wears Prada, um, Cashmere Mafia, Confessions of a Shopaholic, Ugly Betty. Uh, so I think wow. she may, without knowing any uh, younger, she was a consultant for younger. Oh, I've heard good things about that, yeah. And so um, this leads me to believe that she was, like, already a fashion designer and then sort of made a lateral move into designing specifically for fashion-focused projects like Sex and the City. Oh, my God. Just as a sidebar, Uh she makes all of these um, body harnesses with, like, laser-cut, see-through, like, (gasps) let's say a heart with, with chain. So, like, I usually see the elastic body harnesses, but, like, she's, like, it's like a skinny bicycle chain that has, like, a see-through bright neon red heart or this other one that has flames on it that look like, it looks like pasties, um, but it's a crisscrossy over your boobies. Oh, real hot. She opened her Oh, thank you for bringing some 
Patricia Field back into my life. Go on. Oh, hooray. She opened her Greenwich Village boutique in 1966. So, yeah, she was a designer for a solid, like, 25 years um, before she did this. So, yes. So, Patricia Field is the wardrobe designer, which explains a fuck ton Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So that is how old King Cole is dressed. Because, yes, because absolutely. Because, of course, this is how I grew up after watching this literally every day. Of course. We didn't, what else were we to do? Right. Exactly. (laughs) And um, much as we have discussed before, the thing about having Disney, the Disney Channel, when it was still a premium channel, is that they played the same stuff over and over and over. So the same way that you and I could bake Labyrinth into our brains. Mm. That's what happened to me with this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Look at his big ostrich feather trim on his coat. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. And goals, he's... goals, goals. Oh, my God. So... Old King Cole is absolutely fabulous in every way. Gordon says, I need you to help me find my mother. And and, and Little Richard's like, no, we're having fun here. And he's like, come on, this is serious. And the word serious pisses him off so much. He cocks an eyebrow and he's like, serious? How dare you say that in front of me? I, you're going to the dungeon where we will drill the meaning of merriment into you until you scream with laughter. No, no. Yep. No, no. Those no, real no. those real words. Those real words. That's, that's actual forced fun. That's a new joke about forced fun, but that is upsetting. Oh and no. with I mean it's 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 and then it turns out okay, so the floor opens under Gordon alone because of course Peep is rhymy, so Peep Peep knows how to have fun. Gordon doesn't. <laughs> Big grumpy Larry David Gordon. <laughs> The floor drops out from under him and he falls into a, like, literal dungeon with iron gates and everything and big old stones and there's fog everywhere. And all of a sudden, we are surrounded essentially by a mix between Kiss and the Phantom of the Opera. Oh. These guys, these, like, metal guys have on big puffy, curly black wigs, and half masks that are painted with kiss-like makeup. Oh, no. Oh, no. But looking a little bit more Day of the Dead than that. Right. Yes. Oh, no. Yes. This is a group that they called the Dank. Um, Now, the Dank is not a real band. The Dank was assembled. You don't say. Um, by other members of the Breakfast Club. Okay. And the lead guitarist from Rat. And Dweezil <laughs> Zappa. Oh, and there this is, is a 90s wet dream. There is a lone black man in this group of essentially like white metal guys. Okay. And for years, I was like, oh, that seems like a strange place to go for diversity, but all right, whatever. <laughs> Just popping in, somebody in. In my research yesterday, I learned who it is. Do tell. It's going to be a no from me, dog. It is American Idol judge Randy Jackson. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a... 
What a masterpiece. Oh, my God. An actual dream come true. They play this. Is is it possible to have a wet nightmare is what I'm wondering. And that's exactly what this is. It's a total wet nightmare because on one hand, you're like, oh, my God, this is really good. And on the other, it's really tough imagery for kids. Um, Yes. This was scary. This scene was very scary. And the song is also super fucking good. And, um... (laughs) <laughs> the, the lyrics go Gordon never really learned to play <laughs> so like it's um it's very threatening it's a it's a very threatening kind of eh. song and um and then they but and Gordon is also chained up by his wrists so there's ah. a there's a whole lot of stuff going on there wow Wow. Right? Wow. And um and they, they leave him in there. So they play their song, poof, they're gone. And who appear, what appears in their place are essentially two, um, two, they're like thing one and thing two. They call them the happies. And it is these Dada disaster Australian comics who. Oh, they're back? Are back and they're in like court jestery uniforms that are and like big colorful wigs and they've got big giant feathers and they're tickling each other and they're trying to teach Gordon how to have fun. So they start tickling him while he is chained up, which is another. People uh, pay a lot of money for that. People do pay a lot of money for that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And, um, (laughs) And then he laughs and so they free him. They free him. Um, they move on to find the clothes. But what is it? Was it a real laugh or was it? A... <laughs> oh no, he's actually <laughs> laughing, and the, oh, and okay. I think that's how we all learned, like, to not touch people who don't want to be touched. Oh. <laughs> so they Valuable move on lessons. from King Cole's castle. Sadly, that is the last that any of us will see of the absolutely incredible um, uh, little Richard. <laughs> womp 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 but he was fucking memorable so we move on and at the top of a, of a tall wall we see a manic egg <laughs> this is Humpty Dumpty played by Howie Mandel absolutely doing his best possible Beetlejuice impersonation oh my Christ that is Howie Mandel wow <laughs> uh-huh do you know what, though? Because of the shape of the egg and the fluff of hair on top, it also looks like Sloth from Goonies. Right? Oh, my God. Yes, he does. Absolutely, Yo. he does. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. Uh-huh. So uh, Howie Mandel is uh, is Humpty Dumpty, and he's, yeah, he's just a constant Beetlejuice impression. It's actually quite good. Um, but Humpty Dumpty just makes himself laugh so much that he laughs himself right off the wall, and then he splats on the ground. Of oh, course. good. Mm-hmm. Naturally. Naturally. So Gordon and Bo Peep keep, keep moving on, trying to figure out where Mother Goose could be. And they basically end up in, like, fucking cool world. And uh, <laughs> these are not rhymes. These are shady-ass motherfuckers. There's a guy who's essentially a pimp. 
and uh, and his sex worker. And um, they're trying to get Gordon and Peep into this club. So they, they, they say yes. And it's Georgie Porgies. A big, creepy bar full of real creepy people. Um, giant, like, rubber masks that look... Um, that are really creepy and are completely unnecessary. And a lot you know, more of those anthropomorphic dogs. It reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, the... The part in Beaches where she takes a turn for like performance art and it's like industry, charity, faith, oh, and she's got like the weird prosthetics on. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That's what this looks like to me. Yes, yes, yes. Only some of them are dogs. Yes. And in there, um, in there, it's just basically an excuse to see Brian Setzer uh, as as leader of the Stray Cats. And uh, they're all, you know, they're all essentially in cat makeup. Uh, they move their way out of Georgie Porgies and uh, basically fall into a film noir as they find the law, as they find the detective offices of the three blind mice. All three blind mice are played by Bobby Brown. <laughs> and he wants to hire them to find his mother, but none of them are helpful. And then Bobby Brown basically starts doing a, a dance as all three blind mice on top of the desk. And it's a good dance, but you kind of feel like it's going to follow be followed by a new edition-y sort of song, and it's not at all. <laughs> no, so, that's exactly what it should be. Right. And it would have been great, frankly. <laughs> so... Still just losing every possible opportunity. They get back in the car. They get back in the cow car. And they they find, waiting on the side of the road, Simple Simon. Simple Simon is played by Paul Simon. <laughs> and he's called Simple Simon because he can't remember anything. He doesn't know Aww. where he's going. He doesn't know why. He's just singing songs in the back of the car. And Gordon's like, shut the fuck up. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> By Listen, the it was he was singing the Graceland album, wasn't he? Everybody fucking hates that. Oh so gosh, what is he 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 was singing on the road again. He was singing no. on the road again in the car. That's weird. Why yep. did they bother licensing that song for this instead of a pop? Okay, cool. Nope. Bold choices. That's what I like. Brave bold choices. And I forgot to mention it, but our Garfunkel is also in this magnificent movie as grumpy bartender Georgie Porgy. <sighs> my so, fucking heart is gonna explode i know i know so uh they they they're like no don't you remember your rhyme paul simon simple simon metapyman going to the fair we're gonna take you to the fucking fair man so they drop him off at the fair and he's like where why am i here but once he's out of the car uh gordon's like time to make my move and he pulls peep in and he's about to make out with her when all of a sudden in the moon above them Gene Stapleton appears. Gordon! <laughs> they are supremely cock-blocked. Oh, Gordon! That. They were about to go get it. They were about to get it. Was Gordon. it like a tunnel of love thing? Uh, no, 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 no. The, what you see there is just like the Pee-wee-esque stars in the sky. Oh, so they're just in the car. They're just in the car, on the road. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mother Goose is like, I am, I'm trapped in the real world. And he's like, how the fuck do I get to you? <laughs> and she's like, I don't know. You have to get, you have to come over the moon. You have to come over the moon. So, um, 
They leap of faith, leap of faith. That's it. And so Gordon and Bo Peep also go into the fair where they find a carnival barker played by Cheech Marin. <laughs> he's real shady, he's real snake oily, and he's trying to get people to pay money to to see the cow who can jump over the moon. Um, but he'll just swindle them, so what they really do is they steal the cow. And the cow ends up almost being a sort of a tunnel of love situation. The cow is clearly just on a track. It's moving along. There's lots of fog machines. And eventually the cow jumps over the moon and bam, all of a sudden they're on this little boy's floor in a flutter of pages. And Gene Stapleton's there and there's a nice little reunion. And a little boy walks up super, super excited that now there are more fairy tale creatures to tell him stories. You get the feeling that this child is very like us. He Aww, he looks unattended. Pay attention to me. <laughs> he looks real unattended. He looks like he's having a rough go of it. Uh-huh. And Mother Goose explains to him. Um, Mike, I think his name is Michael. Michael, that you need to, if you think my stories are for everyone, you have to let me go so that I can keep making stories. If I don't get home, everyone will die. Because, uh, oh, oh also yeah. important plot point, as they, as the longer she's been gone, the more and more fairy tale, uh, Rimey's keep disappearing. Oh, so there's that. no, there's like that. in, uh, Back to the Future. Right. It's Always just like Back to the, to the Future. By the way, I never thought I would say these words, uh, but Shelley Duvall's tits look great. They're oh, like, yeah. She looks fabulous. yellow doodah. Like, right? Look at right? you, babe. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. Um, so, so the little boy acquiesces immediately. There's really, there's no conflict. He's like, oh, yeah, of course. And he pushes them back into the book and they're back in Rhymeland. By the way, the little boy who plays Michael would end up, would, would go on to be Preston Waters in 1993's Blank Check. Oh, I don't think I know that. Uh, you were, it he was, you probably out, uh, aged out of it. Um, huh. but it was essentially, it's a, it was a feature film about like a 10 year old boy who, who knew computers really well. So he's pretty much in, just in DOS all the time and oh. he's nerdy and nobody likes him. And, uh, and he finds, he, he finds a check from this like mobster and it's, made out for a million dollars and the recipient is blank and oh. so he uses his computer to oh. like make up an account for himself and yes. becomes a millionaire anyway blank check is delightful and and, and ridiculous <laughs> so that little boy went on to do some more some more good for you buddy i know you got a cute little nose so they get back to Rhymeland, and uh, and Gordon's like, "Well, I still hate it here, and why do you why do you even want me here, Mom? I don't belong." And she's like, "Gordon, didn't you know you're my first rhymey?" And he's like, "Well, what the fuck is my rhyme?" And she goes, "Well, Gordon doesn't rhyme with anything." <laughs> oh! But the whole message that she ha- she is really the only message of this film at all, and she's like, "It's okay to be different." 
being different is fun. Oh. It would be boring if everybody were the same. But, but being different can also mean that you might sometimes be annoyed by literally everyone around you. <laughs> <laughs> right. <gasps> right. And you might get to bang Shelley Duvall. That's what I'm taking away from this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All appropriate takeaways because the second that uh, – because now that she's home, it's time for another beautiful day in Rhymeland. So it's time for everybody to dance and sing their way out of the house again. And as soon as Gordon comes out, he is way less grumpy, way more – um, way more into it, and he also gets jazzed up in like a, in like a backwards Kangol hat and a oh, spiffy sport coat with stripes on it, and like a blue bow tie, and he's got he's got Bo Peep on his arm, and the two of them are clearly <laughs> meant to be super weird Betsy Johnson lovers uh, together. Amazing! <laughs> oh my god! Uh... <gasps> And that wow. is the story of Mother Goose Rock and Rhyme. Oh my gosh. There's something, it feels like to me, it feels like Pee Wee's Playhouse mashed up with Coney Island. That's oh what it God, like. yeah. Absolutely. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Oh God. How do you, how, how can I watch this fine film? Uh, you can find it on YouTube. There are a couple, oh. but um, the quality is not great. Um, the quality is not great. The image is not really clear. Although I will say, I have the VHS. I've had the VHS for a very long time, and uh, I watched my VHS copy yesterday. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. I did a full rewatch just for you. And, Amazing. Uh, <laughs> and even on VHS, the picture is not abundantly clear so yeah i mean you could sit a couple feet away from the screen and watch it on youtube and have a delightful viewing experience <laughs> for sure uh-huh. uh somebody needs to remaster this shit that's amazing oh, oh my, my god, god. just it's for like majestic. debbie harry oh man oh and she's she's wonderful oh she's a dream have you seen any interviews with her lately? Like, she's just, just lovely. She's a lovely no. person. Oh, she's super fun. I believe she went to high, the same high school that my father-in-law did. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I believe. I can't remember. Um, ah. Yeah. And uh, so, um, so there, there's uh, that. Her just eyes and her jawline. This is amazing. Like, it's almost too much to keep up with. This reminds me of. Oh, it is. <laughs> when I was in college, uh, I was taking a scenic design class. And are you familiar with the movie slash play Jeffrey? No. What is um, that? So, it's Steven Weber in the movie. It's basically I like a Steven journey. Uh, I love him, too. I believe it is the journey... I guess it's been a long time, uh, of a gay man trying to find love in the time of AIDS. So it's a bunch of um, flashbacks and dream ballet kind of things. Um, it's like very whimsical for the subject matter. Um, and in, oh, in the movie, um, Patrick Stewart is a, a fabulous, fabulous gay dude in it. Um, and the guy with the eyebrows that I love, who I can never remember his name. Hang in a second. Um, let's just go ahead and IMDb Jeffrey. Anyway, the point, uh, is 
that that was a real stupid thing to try to do for a scenic design project when I could have done like, um, I don't know, uh, 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 <laughs> anything. Literally, when you could have done Mother Goose Rock and Rhyme. <laughs> yes. Well, I was thinking Midsummer, Midsummer Night's Dream, where it's like, oh, this is mostly takes place in a forest, and then you reel this on. Anyway, it was like, it was like eighteen different scenic designs. Why did I do that to myself? I don't know. Why did I do that? And you I know what it reminds was... me of? What? <laughs> it reminds me of Quirky St. Clair. Yeah. Oh, when sure. When he opens up his shop and he's got the yeah. My Dinner with Andre action figures. 100%. Uh-huh. Um, this is the remains of the day lunchbox. He's got the Brat Pack bobbleheads. Oh, it's <laughs> yes. my heart. So we need to watch this and we need to watch Hook together. Yeah. Yes. All of that. Can I have a sleepover with you when this is done? Fuck yes. We have so much to accomplish. <laughs> I, I need to go somewhere. <laughs> I know, honey. I know. Anywhere. <laughs> Literally anywhere. And I want to buy things. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Buying things is nice, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> and I want to hug all my friends. Oh. I'm excited. This is going to come out, obviously, after I have done this. But um, I have a show. I'm doing a virtual show tonight. We're, we're film- filming. Yes, that's what we're doing. So we're recording on Wednesday the 29th. And I have another show on um, Saturday, which is either May 2nd or 3rd, because who knows what calendars are. Um, and it's my first thing like this since uh, the world started to melt. And I'm very excited about it, but also weirdly nervous because I feed off of the energy of crowds. Like part of the reason why I like to perform is because I like to perform for many people. And tonight I will be performing for my wonderful husband who will be um, doing all the camera work. <laughs> nice. And that's it. Maybe, uh, oh, what are we going to do with the cat? I better put the cat away. Oh, yeah. I wonder what the dynamic. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> I cannot. If I'm dancing and she's like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, she just comes out and, and poops on the couch. <laughs> Here's what I think of your art. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, all right. Um, I uh, any recommendations? Oh, other than finding this on YouTube, which you absolutely can do, and oh, 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 I have real people updates for you. Oh, you want to you want a real people update? I so, do. In the middle of very adult things like uh, eating waffles and watching this again, <laughs> I also started an inside garden um, with a bunch of food that if I do it, if I do it well, it can be grown from itself. So, like, I have a few red onions that were sprouting and oh how cool yeah and i'm growing a few heads of romaine lettuce in water like you take about an inch of the 
uh, from the base and you slice everything off and you place them in water and they start to grow new leaves. And at some point that I have to do a little more research on, they should start to grow roots as well and then I can transplant them to a pot. Oh, um, nice. So I'm growing celery and romaine and Boston lettuce all in water. And I started starter seeds in a little incubation um, container that is basically a, a, a plastic egg carton. Wow. Um, with a cover that I'm leaving in the sun. And I've got Swiss chard that I'm hoping will will take root there. Ah, that's so great. Yeah. And then I slit apparently apparently if if the plants are not sterile, you can slice tomatoes and you can put the tomato slices in soil and get starter seeds. Whoa, seriously? Oh, of yeah. course. That makes sense because of the seeds. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Wow. And I thought you could do the same thing for cucumbers, but all of the membrane that, that's around them, you have to first let that dissolve. That's fascinating. So I'm that's also so dissolving cool. That. Yeah. Oh, so I, I did love, like a, I would love to have fresh tomatoes. Oh, my God. I did some kitchen agriculture today. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, I yet again avoided cleaning my... Um, studio space and it's like made a bigger mess because it's a I was, bigger mess than it was it is because i had Fuck, to take down my so my giant tupperware that had my um uh all of my show curtains in it because i i do shows at all kinds of weird places i have three or four sets or two sets two sets of red curtains mm-hmm. um and i wanted to put them up over our tv so that it would look like i had a little stage for tonight uh, so the remainder of that is now sitting in the middle of, in the middle of my studio room, along with the fabric that I pulled out to make a present for you. So I'm really batting a thousand. <laughs> if anyone, if you can't find me, I'll probably be in my studio, like under a pile of stuff. <laughs> she died as she lived. <laughs> Covered in bedazzling materials. Exactly. Dead but fabulous. Uh, I adore you. I adore everyone who's listening. Wait, did you give a recommendation? Am I nope, totally I, blank? I haven't, I haven't learned anything new since yesterday, so. <laughs> gotcha. I haven't. I, uh, I recommend fuzzy socks and no pants. Solid. I so. feel like you were waiting for me to give that a punchline, and there was not. It's just straight up <laughs> pants off, dance off here. Uh, amazing. I hope my costumes still fit. I mean, look, the whole point is for you to not be in a costume at all, right? That is true. That is true. My thing for tonight is very stretchy, so that should be fine. Oh, man. I'm doing something. I'm doing a thing. I mean, we've been doing doing this every day. And this is not nothing, for sure. No. But I know how to do this right now, and I feel like I don't know how to do anything else right now. (laughs) Oh, God, man. I don't... I honestly don't know how I got my shit together enough to do an audition, and I have to do another one. (laughs) I'm so impressed. You can do it. It'll be great. You'll be so great. Listen, I can literally only do one thing. No, I understand. It better be that. Listen, I I completely understand. (laughs) However, 
do not rob those people out there of you. You, you do not hide it under a bushel. Just because things are weird right now, things aren't always going to be weird, and you're always going to be fabulous, and all of those people need to see you, I'm just saying. Don't be selfish. (laughs) You're the best one. I love you. Okay, bye.